One thing every single person here this morning has in common is that we all want to be respected. My question that I want to ask you is, are you? Do people respect you? What I want to do today is I want to share the one thing that you can do that will enable people to respect you, but we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, When I was going through graduate school, living in Princeton, New Jersey, I served on staff that started a new church called Princeton Community Church. One of my friends that I served with on staff was a pastor named Tom Lohr. Tom's grandfather was a committed evangelical Christian, committed to living out the truth of Scripture as a disciple of Jesus. His chaplain that he also served with was not. He was a wonderful person, had a gregarious personality, went to a seminary that believed nothing and belonged to a denomination that didn't believe in the Bible at all. And so these were two very different chaplains on this one ship. Uh, Tom's great-grandfather said that everyone loved going to this chaplain. This chaplain was so much fun. He was well-liked by everyone on the ship, and there was a reason for that. Uh, This chaplain got drunk with the guys uh, every time that they went to port. He told dirty, profane stories uh, to make everyone laugh, and whenever they went into port, this chaplain always got in line with the other sailors at the brothels, laughing as he was going in, pulling his pants up on the way out. It was just as far from being a disciple of Jesus as possible. But because he did what everybody else did, everybody loved him. Tom's great-grandfather said everyone loved him until one thing started happening. The bombs started dropping when the bombs started dropping and the ship started to get attacked, no one lined up to go to this chaplain. Everyone lined up in the corridors to talk to him. And that's because there's a world of difference between being liked and being respected. Now, the second thing is, we just, we just intuitively know this. You never know whether you have someone's respect until much later in life. Uh, I've made no secret about my love-hate relationship with social media. You probably feel the same way. There are lots of good things on social media, and then there's just a lot of stuff that you have to put up with. One Facebook page that I like, you may uh, follow this. If you don't, I would encourage you to follow that. Uh, follow this page. It's called Only in Pennsylvania. And it is a page basically that just shares obscure places that you can go and visit or hike and try and that sort of thing. Uh, This past week, uh, one of their posts was, take a bite out of a ginormous burger the size of your head at Whitehaven Family Diner in Pennsylvania. How can you not want to go to that place in Whitehaven, just above Jim Thorpe? I want to see these ginormous, ginormous, ginormous burgers, right? So other than that, I just, like, I can't stand the bickering on social media, name-calling, and that sort of thing. One of the things, however, that I love about social media is I love reconnecting with people, particularly people that I went to church with as a kid. And the, the typical situation goes like this. They'll, they'll read a book or they'll watch a sermon or read an article or something, and it will bring them back, bring them back to my site and on social media, and we'll reconnect. 
And it, it's just, I love doing that. I love seeing someone that was a youth leader or uh, was one of the leaders in our church growing up as a kid. And they always say the exact same thing. They always ask, how, how are you doing? And that sort of thing. But then they always ask, how's your mom and dad? How's Charlie and Darlene? And then they'll follow it with, I love them and I respect them so much. It's the same thing over and over and over again. My, uh, my friends that I went to high school with, they'll, they'll talk to me, then they'll ask, how's Charlie and Darlene? And they'll say, I love them so much, I respect them so much. And the thing is, none of my friends or people that I went, with, went to church with at the time said that. It took a long time to be able to glance back on one's life, to be able to measure the fingerprints that someone left on it. And that's because time has a way of revealing whether someone is just liked in the moment or deeply respected because of the volume with which their life spoke. And so I just want to ask you this question again. Are you respected? Do people in your family respect you? I'm not talking about fearing. I'm not talking about do they like you. Do people at work, do people in the community, do people in, at CCV, do they respect you? You may not know it for some time, but there is one thing that you can do while not knowing whether or not they respect you. There's one thing that you can focus on that you know will earn people's respect. And it's found in the passage that we're looking at today. We're continuing our series. I love this series that we're digging into. It's on the life of Elijah. We're calling it the Game of Thrones. And what we're doing is we're studying one of the most popular people in the entire Bible because of the things that he did and the things that he said and the impact lifelong that it had not only in his generation, but up to Jesus's generation. People thought Jesus was Elijah reincarnated. When Jesus was transfigured on the mountain of transfiguration, it was Moses and Elijah that showed up. People thought John the Baptist was Elijah. Elijah is a towering figure in the Bible for one reason, what we're going to look at today. So our passage today is 1 Kings chapter 18. We're going to start in verse 16. And if please, if you haven't downloaded our church app yet, Please do that. Download the app. You go to either Google Play or the App Store. Type in CCV Philadelphia. Go to the Bible tab, and you'll look at our passage today. Let's jump into it. First King eighteen sixteen says, Ahab went to meet Elijah. And when he saw Elijah, he said to him, Is that you, you troubler of Israel? Now, if you weren't here last week, please go watch last week's message. It's going to provide the context for our passage today. I don't have time to go into that. Please go watch that. But suffice it to say, Ahab is an evil king. God raises up Elijah to stop Ahab from promoting the worship of the Canaanite deity Baal and the Canaanite god Asherah. And so what Elijah does, because Baal is the thunder god, the god of, of rain, Elijah tells Ahab, at my command, it is not going to rain. We're going to have famine in the land. And so that's why Abraham walks up later in our story to Elijah and says, is that you, you troubler of Israel? And Elijah, look, look at what Elijah, how he responds. 
I've not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied, but you and your family's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's commands and have followed the Baals. And so Elijah thought, let's let the people decide. Let's call all the people from Israel to Mount Carmel. Now summon the people, Elijah said, from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. And so Ahab did this, sent word throughout all of Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah then, once all the people arrived, stood up and said this to the people. How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But then it says, but the people said nothing. Now this is a powerful, powerful word that um, the writer of 1 Kings uses here. Because the word waver in Hebrew means to limp. And so Elijah is simply saying, why are you limping from Yahweh, worshiping him, and then you limp back over. Like you don't have, you're not showing the strength and the conviction and the determination to worship one or other. You're sort of right here in the middle. And Elijah's like, make up your mind. Maybe that's you right now. And you like, you love the encouragement of doing church things and being around church people, but you also love being around and doing the things that your non-Christian friends do. And Elijah's saying, why are you limping between two opinions? Why are you serving two gods? Make up your mind. Then Elijah said to them, I am, only, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left, because they've all been killed. But Baal has 450 prophets. Get the two, two bulls for us. Let Baal's prophets choose one for themselves and let them take the bull and cut it into pieces and put it on wood, but don't set it on fire yet. I will prepare the other bull, put it on wood, but not set it on fire. And then you, he's speaking to the prophets of Baal, you call on the name of your God, Baal, and I will call on the name of Yahweh. Every time in the Bible where it says Lord in capital letters, it's Yahweh. I will call on the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. And then all of the people said, what you said is great. This is, this is perfect. And the Baal prophets are like, we've got this. And why are the Baal prophets so excited with this proposition? Because Baal is the thunder God, the lightning God, starting brush fires all over the place. This is going to be easy for Baal. But it's kind of like, it's kind of like actually me challenging LeBron James to a three-point shooting competition, right? There's probably not much luck that LeBron is going to come out of that unscathed with the pastor of disaster on a light, right? So like LeBron James will destroy me in a three-point shooting competition in the same way Baal is going to destroy Yahweh in a fire lighting competition. Then Elijah tells the prophets of Baal the rules. Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one of the bulls and prepare it first, since there are so many of you. Call on the name of your God, but do not light the fire. So they took the bull given them and prepared it. And to their surprise, Baal didn't start the fire right away. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning until noon. 
Baal, answer us, they shouted, but there was no response. No one answered. And they danced around the altar that they had made. And then Elijah started having some fun with them. He started shouting to the prophets of Baal, shout louder, come on, wake them up, right? At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said, surely he's a God. You know, maybe he's deep in thought or busy or traveling. Maybe he's sleeping and must be awakened. So they shouted louder and then took knives and slashed themselves as was their custom, until blood poured on the altar. Maybe Baal was mad, and we needed to actually cut ourselves in order to make Baal happy again, in order to respond. But midday passed, and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice, where they would normally sacrifice in the nation of Israel. But there was no response. No one answered, and I love this line, No one paid attention. And that's what it's like to serve any other God or any other religion other than Jesus. You think you're frantically praying and doing things for that God to listen, but no one is paying attention. It was Elijah's turn. Then Elijah said to the other people, Come here to me. And they came to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been broken down when Baal worship triumphed. He repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. Elijah took the 12 stones, one for each of the tribes that had descended from Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Your name shall be Israel. He repaired the altar where legitimate worship would be offered. And he puts it back together. With the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he dug a trench around it, enough to hold 24 pounds of seed. And this trench had a purpose. He arranged the wood, cut the bull into pieces, and laid it on the wood, and said to them, fill four jars with water and pour it on the offering in the wood. Why did he pour? To make a point. Do it again, he said. So they poured again. 24 pounds of seeds worth of water going all around this. Do it a third time, he ordered. And then they did it a third time, and the water ran around the altar and filled the trench. And if the God of thunder couldn't light dry wood, the God of Elijah had no chance. So at the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I'm your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord. Answer me so these people will know that you, Yahweh, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. No shouting, no dancing, no cutting, no spilling blood, Just a simple prayer by a simple person that came out of nowhere. Let it be known today you are God in Israel and I'm your servant. And then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood and the stones and the soils and also licked up the water in the trench. And when all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. Now, can I ask you this? 
What's your most refreshing go-to drink on a hot summer day? Is it lemonade? Is it Pepsi? A wine cooler, maybe? I'm a super cold uh, milk or a chocolate milk kind of guy. I love that. So whatever your drink is, I want you to picture that, right? And I want you to imagine you're at the pool. It's 98 degrees out. It's hot. You're ready to get in the water. And your friend brings you a nice, tall, cold glass of lemonade. And you tell him, thank you. He sits down next to you and you're talking while you drink this entire lemonade and you tell him thanks again. And he says, well, wait, hold on. I'm going to get you another one. And then he runs over to the cabana and he grabs another drink and brings it over to you and hands it to you. And you're like, nah, I'm full. I really know. He's like, no, seriously, you want to drink this one. And then you ask, well, what is it? And he said, well, this one's a little different. This is 98% lemonade but 2% urine. And you look at him and and, and you, you, you like smack it out of his hand. You're like, that's so disgusting. Why would you do that? Of course it's disgusting. And this is why God hates sin so much. To him, it's, it makes him want to throw up. It's disgusting. It's gross. Sharing him with another person is like the, the, The way you feel intentionally for those of you who have found out that your wife or your husband's cheating on you, you want to vomit. It's it's just, it's terrible. And this is what God sees when he sees people who claim to be Christians, but limp back and forth between two gods. And here's what I think the entire passage is trying to get us to do, why it's recorded for us some 3,000 years later in 2020. Become the person people respect by challenging everyone around you to serve God 100%. If you want to be the Christian that people like, that becomes everyone's friend, if you want to be the parent that all the other high school kids like, if you want to be popular at work, if you want to have people like you to your face, give in and say nothing when they are doing something that runs contrary to God's word. Refuse to be the one that points to a better way, God's way. Say nothing. Laugh right along with them. Join right in at the brothel tent. Give them a drink that looks great but is repulsive. But if you want to be a person that people respect, you need to be an Elijah You need to be the one that knocks the drink out of their hands and say, don't drink this. This is unbecoming of you. You need to call on them to follow the living God, even if it means they're the only one left in the country, the only one at work, the only one in your family, because if you do, it may take years later to find out about it, but people will thank you for what you've done and how you've lived your life because you were a person that people respected. Let's pray. Thank you, God, so much for the way that even in the midst of all of the darkness of that time, you loved them so much that there was one person left, Elijah, that called them to turn their hearts back to God because of how much you loved them and how much you love us. Help us to be Elijahs in our communities in our schools, in our families, and in our neighborhoods, to be the one that points to the God that is real 
and that is alive. We pray that you would help us to do this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to Brian Jones Sermons. For more information and to find similar articles on this topic and more, please go to Brian's website at brianjones.com.